0: This episode of Impactually is brought to you by the generous financial support of April Collins Potterfield, Denise and Douglas Nash, JLB Images, and listeners like you. Thank you. This story came to us by way of an episode of Gordon Ramsay's National Geographic series, Uncharted, that I happened upon late one night. In it, Chef Eric Cook, a Louisiana native, former Marine, and the executive chef and proprietor of the award-winning New Orleans restaurant, Gris Gris, along with Mr. Ramsey, meets and prepares a meal for a table of very special volunteer first responders after Hurricane Katrina. This episode is about those volunteers. Imagine opening your front door and seeing nothing but water. Your once bucolic neighborhood is now a deluge of debris and detritus, You knew a storm was coming, but you never really imagined it could be this bad. Suddenly, the water's already up to your knees, and there's no indication the flooding will stop anytime soon. So what do you grab? Well, your loved ones, but your pets, your possessions? Quick, while you were thinking, the water's already up to your waist. Take a breath. You collect what you can and wade to higher ground. Maybe it's the top of your submerged car. Maybe it's even the roof of your home. As you trek to Sanctuary, you realize you're not trudging through pristine rainwater. This is a churning stew of sewage, refuse, and animals, both alive and dead, caught in this desperate fight for survival. You finally climb aboard your safe haven, but relief is temporary. The water swiftly ascends in what feels like an unending pursuit. Maybe you fish out your phone and by some divine miracle still have service. You dash out a desperate message in hopes of a rescue that someone, anyone, is watching or listening. Then you hear it. The reverberations of a small watercraft coming towards you. But it's not the Coast Guard or the National Guard. It's not even FEMA or law enforcement. It's a neighbor, someone from your community in their recreational motorboat, and they're here to rescue you. This is the Cajun Navy, and our story starts here. From the studios of Home Productions, I'm Brooke Bechtold, and this is Impactually. The nightmare scenario that I just described has become an unthinkable reality for millions of Americans over the decades. Some of you might remember that in August of 2016, a slow-moving, low-pressure weather system pushed torrential downpours over southern Louisiana. Lasting three days, it dumped the equivalent of 7.1 trillion gallons of water. Now, For comparison, that's three times as much rain that fell in Louisiana during Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Twelve parishes were declared major federal disaster areas, with Baton Rouge and Livingston parishes as the hardest hit. This storm, which had no name, created a devastating flood which stranded at least 30,000 people and did an estimated 10 to 15 billion dollars that's billion with a B worth of damage. Yeah,
1: you know, we're in Louisiana. It rains all the time. It rained here yesterday, pretty pretty heavily. Um, in fact, in in French, uh, Cajun French, we have a term uh, that isn't in Parisian French because it doesn't rain this hard in Paris, but it's called a, delu- a deluge.
0: This is Rob Gade, thirteenth generation Cajun, living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He remembers being at home, watching the news cover the flooding and helicopter rescues of people being airlifted off their roofs or whatever shelter they could find above the water's rising edge.
1: And I'm like, wow, okay, this is different. (laughs) We don't have helicopter rescues that often. I think Katrina was probably the last time.
0: While Rob was watching the water encroach through his neighborhood, he was simultaneously scrolling through Facebook, looking for any kind of local updates, and that's when he saw it a group called the Cajun Navy. The term Cajun Navy was first used in 2005 during Hurricane Katrina when former Louisiana State Senator Nick Gautreaux put out a plea for somebody, anybody, to help the people of New Orleans. Those who responded were an ad hoc group of volunteers in various small watercrafts with shallow drafts that were perfect for navigating the Louisiana bayou and, as it turns out, flooded areas. In the end, this makeshift flotilla, dubbed the Cajun Navy due to its proximity to the Cajun peoples, who are descendants of French settlers living in the area, is credited with rescuing more than 10,000 people from flooded homes and rooftops during Katrina. Over a decade later, it appears the spirit of the Navy is still strong.
1: When you have 100,000 homes flooding in 10 days, The authorities could not handle all of the requests to do boat rescues. So citizens were just getting in their boats and driving up and down their street or going to neighborhoods and helping. And people were going to Facebook that needed to be rescued and making a post saying, you know, we need to be helped because they'd call for help and the authorities just couldn't respond.
0: With a background in software development and consulting, Rob was awed by the power technology and social media were having in these search and rescue efforts. However, unlike a real Navy, the Cajun Navy at the time had little organization and no way to define which areas had been rescued and which were still in need. A self-described systems geek and puzzle junkie, Rob knew there was a better way.
1: And so I joined the group and I messaged um, the administrator and said, hey, you know, I can help organize this. And the person made me a group administrator on the spot. And so basically, we became a dispatch system in the same way police and fire departments use dispatchers.
0: Armed with a walkie-talkie app called Zello and the GPS tracking app Glimpse, Rob was able to coordinate these volunteer search and rescue teams. When someone posted to the Facebook group requesting rescue, Rob would use the GPS app to find the nearest boater, radio them, and then send the coordinates of the distressed person, all from his kitchen table.
1: I think at one point we had about 1,500 guys with boats that we were dispatching to go and do rescues.
0: The Cajun Navy is credited with saving a thousand residents during that 2016 flood. But now remember, this was during the presidential election between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, when Facebook and Twitter were battlegrounds for noxious rhetoric and peak toxicity. And yet, here was social media being a force for good. Eventually, the floodwaters receded and the volunteer boaters went back to their lives. But the destruction of the storm remained.
1: I'm like, okay, now people are still asking for help cleaning out homes or going and, you know, providing supplies or doing whatever needed to be done. And at some point, I said, okay, am I going to go back to work or am I going to keep doing this?
0: Rob continued juggling his career and organizing the Cajun Navy, except this time they operated under a new name, the Cajun Navy Ground Force.
1: We added ground force because people, You know, think we're guys in boats, and we're really not. Boat rescues I've only done twice in the last seven years. You know, hurricanes don't always lead to a lot of flooding. Um, If they're moving really fast and there's heavy winds, it's going to knock trees and telephone lines. So imagine just a gigantic tornado running through half of your state. And that's basically what happened with Hurricane Laura.
0: Hurricane Laura hit the Gulf of the United States in late August 2020 and was the 10th strongest hurricane to make landfall. Overall, Laura caused more than $23.3 billion in damage and 81 deaths. When the need for aid became evident, Rob and the Cajun Navy Ground Force established a base camp 30 miles north of Laura's peak intensity in Rob's hometown of Lake Charles.
1: The National Guard had already cleared the interstates and the major highways but they don't do a lot of the inner roads that, you know, it's just too much. So um, we set up in Walmart parking lot and I told individuals to bring their chainsaws because there were trees just across all the roads and highways and and everything. And we were there day one. And we realized we just needed a big parking lot that had good traffic. And so Walmart makes a lot of sense. We had a lot of supplies, probably 10 to 15 pallets of just stuff that had been dropped off. And um, I'm like, well, let me put a call out for citizens. If they need this stuff, they can just come take it. And so I did, I went on Facebook and said, Hey, we have these things. We have water, we have diapers, we have dog food, cat food, just all kinds of things. If you want to, you want some of this stuff and you're in the community, come and take it. Within 10 minutes, we had a car line running through the Walmart parking lot and out the street. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Okay. If you have stuff, bring it and we're going to continue to give it out. And so We became Walmart in Walmart's parking lot.
0: A couple of weeks after Hurricane Laura's landfall, stores in the area began to open back up. Not wanting to take away the much-needed business from the community's stores, Rob debased from the Walmart parking lot. But Laura left behind plenty of work that still needed to be done.
1: I stayed in Lake Charles for 10 months. Because um, we just went into the community and started just helping people in whatever way we could. We were also going into the community every day and clearing trees, cleaning up, tarping roofs, um, helping people just in s- countless, I call it a countless creative range of services for really the elderly.
0: During one of these drives through Lake Charles, Rob passed numerous references to Dr. Michael DeBakey. Born in Lake Charles, Dr. DeBakey is credited as being one of the best cardiovascular surgeons in history and a developer for the Mobile Auxiliary Surgical Hospital, better known as MASH.
1: And I said, oh, we just did MASH in Walmart's parking lot, right? We did a forward operating base where citizens came, they provided supplies, they went out in the community and helped. It was a gathering place for everybody in need. Nonprofits came and worked with us. Politicians came and met with us while we were there. And I said, okay, what if we named what we did a program? And so our team came up with the term safe camp. So SAFE is an acronym for Swift Action Force Emergency Camp.
0: Swift Action Force Emergency. Wherever a disaster is predicted to strike or shortly after one occurs, you can bet Rob and the Cajun Navy Ground Force will be there setting up SAFE camps. In September of 2022, when Hurricane Ian, a Category 5 hurricane, and the deadliest storm to hit Florida in nearly a century— became the third costliest weather disaster on record. They were there, along with a team of volunteers, often from the affected community.
1: If you showed up with me on day one, you would have seen me and two college students from the University of South Florida. And that was it on day one. Um, But maybe halfway through the day, people started showing up. We were in Florida for 10 weeks. We had 1,600 volunteers come and go in 10 weeks. So in any given day in safe camp, We'd have anywhere from 50 to 200 volunteers working from safe camp, organizing. We had a medical tent with staff, with nurses. Um, we had food trucks. So the car line, the car line at some points sometimes was a mile long. It was, it was incredible.
0: Rob knows all these stats because he needs to report them to the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA. As natural disasters become more frequent and more destructive, the costs for repairing infrastructure like roads, telephone poles, and bridges also increase. And it's too much for one group to handle all on their own. Instead, FEMA turns to, and in a sense, partners with local volunteer groups like the Cajun Navy Ground Force to offset that labor and address costs.
1: We actually report those hours to our um, FEMA um, voluntary, it's called a VAL, a vol- voluntary agency, li- a liaison. Okay. We report those numbers to them. And then that turns into the county knows that, okay, Cajun Navy was here. They gave this much time and volunteer labor. Then FEMA turns around and writes them a check. So the more volunteers that show up, the obviously the more help it gets physically, but also financially, the county gets
0: more money. It's the community helping the community, and Rob and his team don't deal with just tropical storms and floods. Wherever a calamity strikes, be it storm, wildfire, earthquake, or tornado, the Cajun Navy Ground Force will be there.
1: We can go to any state in the United States and bring in volunteers. Um, Most of our volunteers don't come from Louisiana. People have gotten in their car and driven from Washington State to volunteer with us in Florida. Um, You can't drive any further in the country unless you're coming from Alaska. So, um, yeah, so uh, we've responded to a a wildfire in Colorado called the Marshall Fire. It burned down a thousand homes just south of Boulder, between Boulder and Denver. And then we've responded to a tornado in the Mayfield tornado in Kentucky last year, in uh, January last year. And that's really all we're doing. We're helping our neighbor. They might be in another state. We have to go and live there. Um, but nobody else is doing it. And it's not because people don't care or they don't want to. Um, there's so many reasons it's not happening. And and so we show up and we help them.
0: That philosophy of helping neighbors, of being part of a community, is only one part of the core principles driving the Cajun Navy ground forces.
1: Number one is under-promise and over-deliver. So every person hears that because there's so so many needs. You can go out and pretend to be a hero and pretend to save the world, but you don't want to create false hope. You don't want to say you're going to do it unless you're going to do it. And so that makes you think twice about saying you're going to do it. The second one though, is find a way to say yes. So just because you can't do it doesn't mean you can't help them find somebody to do it. So be resourceful, find a way that individuals can have that need meet. If you can't do it, find a way to help them.
0: Since 2016, when Rob first became involved with the Cajun Navy Facebook group, very little has changed in the way he reaches out to communities.
1: We have about 180,000 followers on Facebook, about 300,000 across all of our social platforms, and that's just going to continue to grow.
0: But much like our global temperature, the vitriol on social media does not appear to be cooling off anytime soon. As more and more people are driven away from using platforms like Facebook and X, formerly known as Twitter, how can people stay aware of possible disasters before it's too late? That and more when we return after this. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Impactually. The team at Hum Productions works hard to leverage our episodes with the incredible and inspiring impact of our guests. If you want to support the show and be more in the know of what's coming up with Impactually, you're invited to support us on Patreon. Whether it's branded swag, earning producer-level credits, gaining access to scripts, or learning what's happening behind the scenes, you can get those and more if you go to patreon.com forward slash impactually. That's patreon.com forward slash Rising global temperatures are creating a perfect recipe for hurricanes and tropical storms. Hurricanes need ocean water to be at least 80 degrees Fahrenheit to provide the heat and moisture needed to intensify the storm. If the water is colder than 79 degrees, it's fairly impossible for hurricanes to develop or to maintain tropical characteristics. Unfortunately, The average water temperature in the Gulf of Mexico is between 84 degrees Fahrenheit and 88 degrees Fahrenheit and it doesn't look to be cooling anytime soon. Likewise, cooler atmospheric temperatures slow hurricanes down. This is usually why when a storm hits land, it loses speed and intensity. However, much like the ocean waters, atmospheric temps are getting warmer, which means that hurricanes are getting stronger and staying longer, maximizing as much damage through wind and rain as ever before. So much so that since the 1980s, the proportion of hurricanes categorized Class three and above, meaning with sustained winds reaching between 111 and 129 miles an hour, has doubled. This coupling in frequency and force is making it more difficult to rebuild and fortify after such devastating losses. In August of 2023, Hurricane Hillary landed in Southern California, the first time a tropical storm made landfall in that region since a cyclone hit in 1939, nearly 84 years ago. On top of that, the region also experienced a 5.1 earthquake that same weekend, which means the need to always be prepared for the worst has never been clearer. Every disaster requires its own unique set of precautions. According to the Department of Homeland Security, a generally recommended disaster kit should have the following things in it. One gallon of water per person in your household per several days. Several days supplies of non-perishable foods, a battery powered or hand crank radio, a flashlight, first aid kits, extra batteries, a whistle to signal for help, dust masks to filter contaminated air, plastic sheets and duct tape for creating a makeshift shelter, moist towelettes for sanitation, basic tools, and a manual can opener. Rob also recommends spare fuel and when all else fails, can you guess? Readily accessible cash.
1: You can load your your pantry with all the tuna you want, but when your pantry is laying in your front yard, it's not going to help
0: you. When Hurricane Katrina devastated the southern United States in 2005, social media as we know it was in its infancy. Most Americans were still getting their news from television broadcasts. YouTube was six months old, and 25 million users were friends with Tom from MySpace, the biggest social networking platform at the time. Nearly 20 years later, and it feels like there's an endless supply of apps. Facebook boasts 3 billion monthly active users. TikTok, 1 billion. Instagram, 1.4. Snapchat, 500 million. Add in Mastodon, Discord, and whatever Elon Musk is calling Twitter these days, and that's a lot of users getting a lot of information from a lot of different sources. So when an emergency happens like the desolating wildfires on Maui in early August of 2023, how do you get the word out? How do you make sure people in your community are safe? That's where the third core principle of the Cajun Navy Ground Force comes into play, leading with positivity. While most of the Cajun Navy ground force communicates through social network platforms, the number one thing Rob recommends for disaster preparedness is to build up your local network.
1: Knowing who your neighbors are, especially if you have a disabled neighbor or elderly neighbors, know who they are, like be aware of them. and You see them walking in the street, walking their dog or whatever today, shake their hand and say, hey, you know, I'm such and such. You ready for a hurricane? You know what happens and get to know them. And drink coffee with them. And then when they need help, go check on them. That's what we need to be doing. Um, That's the kind of preparation that will be transformational for our society.
0: As of this recording, we don't know the full extent of the destruction caused by this year's Atlantic hurricane season. But 18 years after the devastating effects of Hurricane Katrina, what was once unprecedented in terms of increased frequency and damage due to hurricanes appears to be our new norm. With more catastrophes comes the need for more disaster relief. That kind of relief would not be possible without volunteers like the Cajun Navy Ground Force and others. In sourcing music for this episode, we were introduced to Bruce Ling of the Hawks and Owls String Band, whose song Diamonds in the Rough we featured. When we heard the Delta-style slide guitar, we knew it was a great fit, but what we didn't know was that Bruce— An award winning multi instrumentalist is also an environmental educator, conservationist, and flood data monitor for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the National Weather Service on Michigan's Grand River. He leads teams of volunteers on his 30 foot pontoon boat to do macroinvertebrate counts and other water quality testing practices. And along with his wife, Becca, He co-founded the nonprofit Grand River Watershed Arts and Music Council in Grand Rapids, an annual arts festival that uses music and education to foster conservancy of the Grand River Basin. Bruce is passionate about his advocacy, and he is no stranger to floods and the devastation they can cause. He's lived through multiple, and each one gets worse. The flood of 2013 cost him his home. It was the flood of 1997 that inspired him to write Diamonds in the Rough.
2: We had a pretty bad flood here in 97, the highest since 84, which put two feet of water into my home. It's well remembered, because not long after the river crested to 15 feet, the temp dropped to below zero, and the slow water on the road turned to ice. Our car was on higher ground about a mile away, but the only way to access it was by hiking out in chest waders. We had a gig that we didn't want to cancel, so we loaded our instruments into our kayak and waded through the water to get to our car. I could feel the road under my feet, but the river was above my waist. I had to raise my knees up high and come up underneath the ice to break it with the top of my thighs so I could move forward. In chest waders, Becca followed my cleared ice path from the back of the kayak. And keep in mind that this was February in Michigan, so it was so cold. About four days later, the river froze real hard. We had to wait that out because the ice got so thick that we couldn't bust it up. Once we could walk on top of it, we'd drag the kayak in and out with groceries or music gear. During that time, the National Guard came with a flat bottom boat and a wedge to break up the ice on our street. I remember the guardsmen stopping in front of each house and yelling through a megaphone, Is anyone inside? Do you want to get evacuated? When they got to our home, I hollered back, I've got a full wood box, milk and water, a guitar and a fiddle, and me and my gal are getting along just fine. Thank you. It was during that flood when our friend, old John Counts, died. I had known and loved John for almost a decade. The year of the flood, he turned 87 and had a number of ongoing health issues. So he was evacuated early and moved to an assisted living facility. We made a promise to watch out for his house as the river rose. Jean was a big man, a good man, and a fantastic artist with pieces of his work hanging in the state capitol. He was openly gay and told me horror stories about being a gay teenager in early 20th century America when homosexuals were beaten, terrorized, and lynched. To me, he was a hero for not only enduring, but unwavering in who he was throughout those years. Shortly after the flood receded, Becca and I walked by his house and saw a dumpster with all his stuff. It didn't take no other sign. That was enough. We knew something bad had happened to him. The water was at its highest crest when John let go of his earthly bonds, shed his mortal coil, and let his spirit soar. As we stood there staring at the dumpster, the song Diamonds in the Rough was born. He was a strange man with his very own plan. He'd say, just because.
0: If you would like to know more about how you can help the Cajun Navy ground force, please visit gocajunnavy.org or see their latest updates by following them on Facebook. They frequently provide live feeds showing their efforts to assist in affected communities. They always welcome donations, especially in the summer months. That way they're ready when the peak hurricane season hits in the fall. And of course, not all giving is monetary. If you are able, consider donating your time to disaster rescue and relief. Medical help, emergency operations, and volunteer management are always needed. The same goes for Bruce's Grand River Watershed and Arts Music Council. As he says, their influence is akin to, quote, dropping rocks of information into the lake of public consciousness, where the ripples of environmental and cultural awareness extend out to shores unknown. Your help increases the ripple and lake size, where all communities benefit. Reach out to him and find out how you too can be an advocate for environmental stewardship and civic engagement in your own communities. You never know when you might be the pebble that causes the ripple. Impactually is created and produced in cooperation with Hum Productions. Our web address is hum, that's H-U-M-M, productions.org. Financial support for the show is provided by April Collins Potterfield, Denise and Douglas Nash, JLB Images, and listeners like you who support us on Patreon and GoFundMe. Links to both are provided on our website. And thank you. We'd like to extend our sincerest thanks to our guest, Rob Gaudet. His memoir, Cajun Navy Ground Force, citizen-led disaster response, the gripping tale of the no-name storm and the origins of the Cajun Navy was instrumental in helping us tell today's episode. You can find it wherever wonderful books are sold. Special thanks to Bruce Ling and the Hawks and Owls String Band for sharing diamonds in the rough. You can find both the vocal and instrumental versions of the song in our show notes. We also have links to the Grand River Watershed Arts and Music Council, as well as the Great Lakes Music Camp, There, you'll learn how Bruce and his team educate the public about environmental issues and how they promote traditional American music through contra and square dances, acoustic music lessons and sessions, festivals, and live performances. And our team, Christine Murdoch, Senior Producer and Editor, Jacob Motz, Head Writer, Director of Production, Jack Bechtold, Sound Engineering by Andy Shoemaker, music curation by L. Lively of Crooked Tree Creative, Chris Simpler, Director of Finance, Angela DePaul, Public Relations, Richard Cassis of Spark, Inc. for Digital Artwork, Andrew Sachs for Our Original Music, our incredible board of directors, and I'm Brooke Bechtold, Executive Producer and Creator. Subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Radio Public, Or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. We really appreciate it as it helps others find us too. We would love to hear from you, so send us an email or find us on social media. Pitch us ideas about people who you think would be great to have on our show. Maybe it's even you. We'll be back soon with another extraordinary episode. Everyone has a story. Share. rivers
2: running high, life on the edge gets very tough. You win some, you lose some, always gotta be kind of one another, diamonds in the rough. Oh, owls in the woods, rivers running so high, life on the edge is so very, very tough. You win some, you lose some, always gotta be kind of one another, diamonds in the rough.